Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, and I want to wish all the moms out there a very happy Mother's Day. I hope you're surrounded by your children and having a lovely day. On Friday, speaking of mothers, the doomsday mother, Lori Vallow was found guilty on all six charges for the murders of her two children, JJ and Tylee, and for Chad Daybell's wife, Tammy. Vallow will remain in Idaho until her sentencing hearing, which will take place three months from now. After she's sentenced, Vallow will be extradited to Arizona to face charges related to the death of her fourth husband, 62-year-old Charles Vallow. Lori's older brother, Alex Cox, took Charles' life back on July 11th of 2019, claiming it was in self-defense. Ironically, Charles died in Lori's new rental home, a home that he was paying for. For some reason, that pisses me off. Initially, the police bought the self-defense story, and in fact, it wasn't until Nearly two years later, on September 30th of 2021, when Charles Vallow's autopsy report was released, that the public learned the Maricopa County Medical Examiner's Office had now stated the cause of death was multiple gunshot wounds, including two shots to Charles' chest. Charles also had bruises on the right side of his chest, abrasions on his left arm and right hand, as well as on his knees. Sounds like a scuffle took place before the shots were fired. The autopsy report also included a new manner of death, and that was homicide. If this altercation had really been about self-defense, Charles would have only had one shot in his chest. That would have likely knocked him to the ground. The problem was that by the time this autopsy report came out in 2021, Alex Cox was long dead. He passed away back in December of 2019 at age 51, reportedly of a pulmonary embolism. He was found unresponsive on the bathroom floor of his new wife's home. Thus, Cox would never be called to answer for this crime. And this same problem also looms large over the deaths of J.J., Tylee, and Tammy Daybell. It's believed Cox's role in Lori and Chad's doomsday cult was both to be Lori's protector and to serve as the hitman, meaning to be the guy who actually committed the murders. By the way, in 2007, Alex was already on the path to becoming Lori's protector and hitman. It was in that year that he attacked her third husband, Joe Ryan, with a taser, claiming Joe had been abusive to Lori while they were married and claiming Ryan had essayed Lori's son Colby and their daughter Tylee. While the taser knocked Joe to the ground, he was able to get up and run for help. And that's a very good thing because according to Alex's first wife, who called the police after hearing about Charles Vallow's death, Alex was planning to kill Joe Ryan. Alex married this first wife in 1992, and they were only together for a few months before she decided it was a mistake and she divorced him. Take a listen to part of her phone call with the Chandler police. But those were his reasons that he stated to me that he had tased Joe. 
Okay, and did he say that he had tried to kill Joe at that time, or was it something different? He didn't say he was trying to kill him. He just wanted to hurt him. Okay. But he did tell me he wanted to kill him, but I took it I took it more of I'm gonna, I want to kill that guy, you know, just kind of conversational. I didn't think he would actually go do something like that. Okay. I was even shocked that he tased him. But I didn't even know about the tasing. I heard about it from Alex. What do you mean you didn't know about the tasing? Oh, I'm sorry. I just, I, Alex had kind of fallen off the radar. Mm-hmm. So about, we hadn't talked for about a year. And um, so I just thought he kind of fell off the radar. And then we talked and he told me where he'd been the last year and what he had done. So she kind of contradicts herself. At first she said he wasn't planning to kill him, but then she said he did say he wanted to kill him. According to Lori's son, Colby, Alex's scheme was to taser Joe Ryan, place him in the trunk of his car, drive him out to the desert, and kill him. Thankfully, Joe survived, and he pressed charges against Alex. Alex pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 90 days in jail. Not a long sentence for a guy who secretly was planning to take Joe's life. Back to Alex's role in Lori and Chad's lives and religious cult. The two used their new religious ideas as a tool to manipulate Alex. The prosecutor said during Lori's trial that Lori and Chad had been grooming Alex over time to get him invested in the idea that his role was to serve as a warrior and to kill. And by the looks of things, Alex bought into all these crazy ideas, hook, line, and sinker. In one text message to Alex, Lori praised his silence with the phrase, good boy, as if Alex were a little boy and Lori was his mother. When Lori's friend Melanie Gibb asked Alex if he really believed all the zombie stuff, he replied, 100%. Alex had been introduced to all the doomsday stuff when Lori got him listening to her and Melanie Gibb's Prepper slash Doomsday podcasts. And according to Lori's son Colby, Uncle Alex started hanging out a lot with Lori at this point in life, right when she was becoming obsessed with the end of times and being part of the chosen 144,000 who would survive and experience the second coming of Jesus Christ. Alex frequently turned up at Lori's home when she, Melanie Gibb, and their friend Zulema Pastinis and others were regularly hanging out and discussing all these things. Per Colby, before this, Alex and Lori had not seen each other on such a regular basis. By the way, in the Netflix series about his mother, when Colby was asked what he thought of his uncle Alex, he replied as follows. He was crude and kind of funny and odd. End quote. Alex's goal in life was to be a comedian. He doesn't seem like a very funny guy now, does he? More Vlad the Impaler than Chris Rock. Alex's willingness to believe that zombies were taking over bodies and that he had to be the one to kill those people may be due to a car accident he had when he was younger. The accident left him with a traumatic brain injury 
and Lori and Alex's cousin, Megan Connor, told Lauren Mathias of Hidden True Crime that Alex wasn't the same after that injury. He wasn't able to hold on to a job, nor was he able to have a long-term relationship. Take a listen. He was the comedian. He couldn't not joke about things. You know, he, there was no, there was nothing that was off limits for joking. And oftentimes that was a way of talking about a lot of these family secrets was that Alex would make a joke about it. Um, and that was the way that we heard a lot of these family rumors is that, you know, we'd all be sitting around and Alex would make some joke and we would sort of look at each other and go, is that real? Is that true? But if he was joking about it, it probably was, you know, um, he had a car accident when he was 17 and, um, the Coxes always self-insured, meaning like they, they just kept money on deposit and didn't, they didn't carry car insurance. And I don't know what the rules are in California. I know in Texas you can self-insure, um, in California, I don't know if that's a legal thing or not a legal thing. I think we always assumed it was illegal that you had to carry car insurance, but we just, um, you know, we kind of assumed that that was not on the up and up. Um, but when Alex had that car accident, apparently he totaled his truck and, um, just walked away. Didn't file a police report, didn't get any sort of medical help or anything, just walked away and left the truck and left somebody else to take care of it, which I feel like is pretty metaphorical for, you know, a lot of things that happen. But wow. yeah. in my opinion, I think there, there were some comments by the older generation, my parents and aunts and uncles, that that was a traumatic brain injury for Alex. And it wouldn't surprise me if that had a huge impact on, on his behavior for the rest of his life. He never seemed to be able to keep a job. He was never in a very long relationship. Um, he just didn't. He sort of drifted around. He lived with my parents for a little while, um, stayed on their couch, I think they told him he could stay for a month and he ended up staying three or four. Um, he just was, he was all over the place. You're not the first to um, imply this. Somebody else has also, well, a couple other people have mentioned a, a car accident, a possible traumatic brain injury. That's, that's interesting. One of the reasons Alex's first wife divorced him is because of very disturbing behavior she witnessed between Alex and Lori at their parents' home. Per the first wife, Lori and Alex would emulate being intimate with each other in the Cox family home without any of the Cox family members apparently finding this strange or inappropriate. Take a listen. When did you I get had married? been. I got married in 92. Um, so then you got divorced in 93? Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, I don't know that this helps anything with the investigation, but as soon as I married him, I didn't know his family before we got married. We dated, whirlwind romance, got married, then I got to know the family, and there were so many crazy dynamics in that family that... And I've gone back since all of this came out and read my journals from that period of time. And there was just a lot of crazy dynamics in that family back then. And it caused a lot of issues right away. And it actually made me scared and nervous. How so? And we thought about, um, 
Because there was a lot of inappropriate... There was a lot of inappropriate sexual touching and things going on in the family, particularly between him and his sister. So between Alex and Lori? And Lori. Okay. Um, you kind of got me at a loss on this one. Um, what What do you consider inappropriate uh, sexual touching? Like they were simulating sex acts, and which is not normal to me for a brother and a sister. Um, for example, um, he would pick her up and she'd wrap her legs around his waist and he would kind of bounce her up and down on himself Okay. in front of me and they would moan and simulate sex acts and i have brothers and i would never act like that with one the prosecutor has said these crimes were driven by money power and sex and i wonder now if lori may have been manipulating alex with her looks praise and sexuality alex has been known to call lori hot knowing he found his sister attractive and hearing about the weird behavior between him and Lori from his first wife, it seems like Alex may have been almost seduced by his sister. We know that Alex made multiple trips to the country of Colombia for sex tourism. He'd go there for a week or two to indulge in such activities with women who were paid for this service. This tells me, one, that Alex was pretty sexually charged, and two, that maybe he was unable to score with women he met in the United States, that he maybe found it impossible to get female attention without paying for it. I mean, why spend all that money traveling to Colombia and paying for women if you don't have to? I'd love to know which part of Alex's brain sustained the traumatic injury in the car accident. I'm curious to know if the damage harmed the part of the brain that's responsible for decision-making and impulse control. How else can you explain a grown-ass man believing that zombies have taken over his brother-in-law's body and that of his young niece and nephew, and then agreeing to be the one who took their lives. You'd have to be pretty gullible and a very poor decision maker to agree to that role. We know from testimony shared during Lori's trial that Alex agreed to conspire in these murders because his cell phone placed him and him alone at the scene of all the crimes. Tylee was last seen alive on September 8th of 2019. And according to investigators, Alex's cell phone showed that he was at Lori's apartment in Rexburg, Idaho on September 9th for six hours starting at 2.45 a.m. This behavior did not match Alex's normal behavior, and he had an apartment right near Lori's, so there was no good reason for him to be there during those six hours. It looks like Tylee likely died sometime after 2.45 a.m. that morning. Then, at 9.15 a.m., Alex's cell phone places him at Chad Daybell's property, where he stayed until around 11.45 a.m. This is likely when Tylee's body was dismembered, burned, placed in a bucket, 
and buried in the Daybell's Pet Cemetery. By the way, Tylee's pelvis bone was shown to have a deep cut to it, likely inflicted by a pickaxe or a machete. That cut was an extra cut, meaning it wasn't made in the act of dismembering her. I wonder if that cut was made to symbolically express rage on that particular area of her body. Did Alex do that? If so, why? Was it a venting of rage against his young niece? Did he dislike Tylee that much? Or was it a venting of rage against all females? I fear we will never get the answer. Minutes after Alex's cell phone left the property that day, Chad Daybell texted his wife Tammy to say he'd shot a raccoon and buried it in their pet cemetery. So at this point, Alex had officially become a mass murderer. He'd killed Charles Vallow in July and now likely Tylee Ryan too. Brief sidebar, the dates the children were killed appear to be connected to when Lori had successfully altered Tylee and JJ's social security payments to go directly to her bank account. Each child wound up dead days after Lori successfully got their government monies transferred to her bank account. This explains why the two children were not killed on the same day. Next came seven-year-old J.J. Vallow. J.J. was last seen alive on September 22nd of 2019. That night, Alex's cell phone showed him moving back and forth between his apartment and his sister's before once again traveling to Chad Daybell's property just before 10 a.m. on September 23rd. This time, Alex stayed at Chad's property for just 17 minutes, with his cell phone showing him close to a pond. That turned out to be the same location where JJ's remains were later found buried in a shallow grave. And when JJ's body was unearthed by investigators, Alex's prints were found on the plastic bag and the tape used to smother JJ. I suspect gravedigger Chad Daybell may have dug that hole that JJ was placed in before Alex arrived that day. That could explain why Alex was only on the property for 17 minutes. So now Alex Cox had harmed three people, Charles Vallow, Tylee Ryan, and JJ. And Alex would go on to be near the crime scene once again when Chad's wife Tammy died. Coincidence? I think not. Alex's cell phone pinged at a church about two miles from the Daybell's property on the night of October 19, 2019. The next morning, Chad Daybell and his son Garth dialed 911 to report that Tammy was dead. After investigators exhumed Tammy's body, they found bruises on it, indicating that someone had held her down while she was asphyxiated. Could Alex Cox have been inside the Daybell home that night? Is he the one who asphyxiated Tammy? while Chad held her down, allegedly? It certainly is odd Alex would be near the Daybell's home at that time of day and on the morning when Tammy died. Just before Alex died in December of 2019, he hinted that he felt he had been used by his sister and Chad. In fact, it was as Tammy Daybell's body was being exhumed that Alex told his wife of 13 days, 
Zulema Pastinas. I think I am being their fall guy. When Zulema asked him what he would be the fall guy for, Alex wouldn't say. And by the next day, Alex was dead. While an autopsy showed he died of that pulmonary embolism, it's hard to believe that his death wasn't induced in some way. One strange detail that no one has explained thus far is why the overdose drug Narcon was found in Alex's system. Who administered Narcon to Alex and why? The only justice we can hope for when it comes to Alex Cox is that there really is a hell. If there is such a place, most assuredly, Alex Cox is there for all the sins he committed against Joe Ryan, who I have a hard time believing died of natural causes, Charles Vallow, Tylee, JJ, and Tammy Daybell. Guys, I have this image in my head of Alex sweating and being miserable in hell, endlessly shoveling coal into a stove so hot that it's glowing orange. Let's hope karma really is a bitch. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Hey, smash that like button, subscribe to my channel for more good content, and I'll see you next time.